Hello, and welcome to the Copy Blogger Podcast. My name is Tim Stoddart. Thank you so much for joining me. It's easy to feel on top of the world when things are going well in life. Inevitably, we all come across challenges and hardships. My guest today used his hardships as inspiration to create one of the most popular podcasts of the time. Bilal Zaidi is the host of Creator Labs. Bilal interviews world-class entrepreneurs in hopes to learn the skills, tips, and strategies that he can apply to his own consulting business. One of the things I like most about Bilal's podcast is his curiosity. When he interviews guests, you can truly feel the curiosity and the eagerness to learn, which is why he has booked guests such as Gary Vaynerchuk, Damon John, Erica Alexander, Foreshta Ferro, Drew Riley, and more. I loved this conversation. Bilal has a great personality and he was so generous with his experience and his knowledge. You will absolutely level up by listening to this episode. With that, please help me welcome Bilal Zaidi. Bilal, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show. I've been a big fan of, of your podcast. It's actually been you know how in podcasts you kind of go on like rotations. You got like your new favorite podcast every couple yeah. of months. You've been uh, you've been my new favorite podcast on my walks for the last couple it. of weeks. So it's great to talk to you. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks a lot. And like I said, uh, I've been following uh, the site for a long time as well. So it's cool to uh, to collide. Yeah, thank you. All right, I start off uh, all of my podcasts with the same question: the background of your Twitter bio. Tell me what it is and what it means to you. <laughs> I don't even know what's in it. I feel like it's, uh, I wrote this ages ago and just kept it. So let me just have a look right now. Yeah, I mean, it's to be honest, I feel like I need a little work on mine. But um, yeah, mine says, host of Credit Lab, deep convos with the world's leading entrepreneurs, ex-Google and Charity Water, London and NYC, show every Wednesday. So that's my ad for people listening. Uh, but yeah, I guess what it is, yeah, that's probably the for what I use Twitter for, which is mostly for my podcast and sharing stuff related to business. That's kind of why I've positioned it around that. Um, and yeah, the podcast itself is, I've interviewed people like Pomp, the founder of Square, Gary Vee, Damon John, Kat Cole, um, Sam Parr, a bunch of bunch of people that are really interesting. And especially in our world, I'm sure we follow a lot of those people and uh, interested in kind of the work they're doing. And uh, I've been doing that for about five, six years now. I started recording in 2015, launched in 2016, um, did it on the side, which is the next part of Google and Chai to War when I used to have a job. And uh, <laughs> I did it on the side originally because I needed some energy outside of my core job. And this was a place for me to like get meetings essentially with people I was interested in getting to know and like sharing their stories and but also beyond the story, eventually it got more about like, what's the stuff you're not hearing elsewhere? And I'm not a real journalist. I'm just a curious person who's got real business experience. So I was trying to understand what is it like in their brains? Like, what do they go through that me and you who have actually gone through this can relate to? And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how that started. And actually episode two of the podcast was with Scott Harrison, the founder of Chai to Water. And that's the next part of the bio, which was I was working at Chai to Water eventually. So I left Google to, to join these guys for a couple of years, had an incredible time there. Uh, and then last part, I'm a Londoner, as you can probably tell from my accent, but I'm based in New York in Brooklyn right now. So you might hear some sirens outside <laughs> during the call. <laughs> 
And that's it. Yeah. And then I guess since we're here, CTA, go and uh, check out the show if you want. It's the show every Wednesday. It's the, it's the last part of the bio. I'm glad that you brought up the lessons that you've learned and the curiosity that you had. This seems to be kind of a common thread in my show because like most people, I'm about 150 episodes in, so I'm not a podcast rookie by any means, but um, I've still surprised where when I started my podcast, I'm thinking like everybody does, like I need a new marketing channel, right? I need to get my name out there. I want some recognition. And what's happened is that all of those things, the value that I've gotten from my show has been a real, it's been secondary to just the great conversations that I've had with super smart people and the lessons that I've come away with it. And also like the relationships, right? It's a funny thing where if you ask somebody to coffee, they'll say no. But if you say like, Hey, will you come on my podcast? And like, there's something in it for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So just speak on that, man. Like you, you have one of the most, one of the more successful podcasts. You've been doing it for years. And I'm always curious to know at the end of the day, what is it that you're getting out of it? Are you getting like the marketing? Are you getting the wisdom? Are you getting the lessons? Speak on that for me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely all of those, but I hate that answer. So I'll be more specific. Uh, when I actually started, I had to kind of stack rank what I was doing, why I was doing it. Yeah. And I, you know, doing it as long as you have as well, that after a while, it, it starts to wear down on you. And you're like, oh, now I need to post this and I'm so tired, I've got a job, and for you, you might have a baby, and all this sort of stuff. So I had to really be quite specific. And I don't think it's changed too much. I'd say originally, it was all about me just meeting good people. And just like you said, most of them will say no to coffee, but a lot of them are happy to meet in person for two hours and tell me their life story. And like, I can ask them anything as well, right? So if me and you met and I said, hey, tell me about your childhood or like your relationship with your parents or take me back to this moment. It's very, it's kind of weird, right? So, um, but if we do that in a podcast setting, I can ask anything I want. So, you know, as you said, someone who's quite curious, it's it's been a way for me just to say, but this is a way for me to go and uh, flex that curiosity a little bit and really just um, tap into that part of my brain. And uh, so that's one part. The second part, yeah, of course, it's now technically a business. It's been a business for a few years. Um, you know, I make some money from it. Um, and it kind of helps everything else I do. So everything I do nowadays, I'm kind of optimizing for, is this something I can do for a long time? Do I really enjoy it? It sounds a bit cheesy, but do I get energy from it? Mm. And uh, this is, you know, having conversations with interesting people is one of the best things in the world for me. So um, whether that's like, you know, friends meeting for dinner or drinks or doing a podcast, they're both really fun to me. So that's kind of the main reason I do it and what I get out of it. But then also just as someone who has a business and wants to create other things in the future. Um, and also I'm a creative person too. So I'm able to kind of learn stuff from, from those people who've done it at a higher level. So just one guy's coming to mind right now, Tim Urban, if you've heard of him, he's got a blog called Wait But Why. Uh, incredible blog and he's got the number one TED talk on the internet about procrastination really really crazy dude and just talking to him about his creative process and like how he writes and how he struggles with writing at times 
and his time spent, he spent like months with Elon Musk and did these epic posts for Elon Musk, SpaceX and stuff like that. And just to get access to someone like that, that I can now not to like name drop, but like I can text him, right? And like that's, I would never have had that if I asked him for coffee. So I think in the long, long life, those relationships compound yeah. and the, the energy compounds and also the knowledge. So yeah, that's kind of how, how I think about it, man. When you started your show, you mentioned briefly that your show was born out of a catalyst of more or less just being in like a funky place, being in a dark place. Um, this is a marketing podcast. And so we don't need to necessarily go down the rabbit hole, but I do think it's important for people to get that personalization because I remember what it was like when I was just starting out. Right. And we were talking about Brian Clark before we started recording and you see Brian and you're like, Oh, this is so easy for him. Right. Like he's already got it figured out. Maybe one day I'll get there. And then you get a little bit more experience and you realize that that's really all it is. It's just experience. And you're just getting a little bit more experience. And then you look back five years later and you're like, I don't feel any more special. Like I just feel like the same person with a little bit more experience. So uh, what I'm looking for is, is talk to me about first that catalyst of where you were and, and why this was such a creative outlet for you. But then I, I want to hear about the journey on now you rocket ship yourself from that point where you needed to make a change and five years later you got like a real brand with a real business yeah man well i'd say the the catalyst is around you know it probably started a little bit before but like 2013 to 2015 i was pretty much in a pretty bad place and again not to turn this into a therapy session but i i don't want to say i was depressed because i think there's a fine line between you know, clinically depressed and just being down. Mm -hmm. So whatever it was, I was just in a pretty bad place. And I think to rewind a little bit, I started out in, uh, you know, basically created a business when I was 16 years old. Um, you know, not huge multi-million dollar business or anything, but helped me pay through college. And at that moment already, I was like, this is what I'm going to do forever. I'm going to go back to yeah. doing my own stuff. And then I left, I went to Google, which was an incredible experience, but it wasn't really my plan. And then eventually by the time I was a few years in, I'd moved to New York. Uh, I'm like, you know, 25 years old or something like that. And, you know, I, I was earning a good six-figure salary, uh, lived in the West Village, like all the things that you check the box of, like, this is what I've been working towards at quite a young age. And I was like, I'm just kind of dead inside, you know? And there's not any meaning. I didn't move all the way here just to go out all the time and have fun with friends. Like work is quite meaningful to me. So I needed a balance of that. I probably also needed to be in a relationship, which I wasn't at the time I am now. And uh, so all those things that with maturity, you realize like, okay, yeah, there's only so much messing around you can do, you know, running around the city doing stupid stuff. Eventually you're gonna wake up the next day and say, what am I spending eight to 10 hours of my day doing? What am I actually doing in the evening? What am I building? Um, and again, building isn't just a business, it's like relationships. and um things that you enjoy doing so that was kind of the the bad moment and that that got me thinking like well what can i do the best thing i could have done at the time was probably change jobs but i was not on a green card i didn't have a green card at the time i was on a visa as a british citizen so i couldn't essentially leave my job i had to wait a few years for that um so yeah i kind of needed to find something outside of that and that's where the the podcast was kind of born out of that um, and tell remind me the second part to the question. I don't remember. Oh, shit. Right. I remember. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I'm trying to paint, I'm trying to give some 
inspiration to somebody that's just starting off looking at you, looking at your successful podcast, who probably has those fears and those doubts that I used to have. And then what, what's like the piece of advice that everybody always gives, right? They say, just start. And every time I yeah. hear that, I want to like kind of throw up a little bit because um, it is important. It's not to have enough. A plan. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like it, it's not enough. You it's a good first step, but it's not really the full story, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. So now that you're five years into it and you have this perspective, here's the question. What would you have told that guy that was just starting the podcast? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I, I guess I would just say, stay focused on why you're doing this because yeah. um, what maybe you're similar to me, especially if you've got like a business background or you're numbers driven in any way. What happens is the ego takes over and the mathematical brain takes over and you're like, how do I get a million downloads? How do I do, you know, how do I grow 20% month over month for whatever that you're used to doing, especially coming from a place like Google where at that moment, just before I'd worked on a startup at Google, which did, I think like $300 million in revenue and it got shut down because it wasn't big enough for Google size, right? And <laughs> that's, that's so the kind stupid. of, it's so, yeah, it's crazy. But, but if they're a trillion dollar company, you know, they just have to focus on the right stuff. So anyway, regardless, so that's where I'm coming from, these crazy big numbers. And then I'm also work, you know, tangentially with YouTube and I'm seeing all these people blow up and you, people, and you know, you scroll on your feed and you see something with a million views. No one understands like what it takes to get to a million views. Like that's a crazy amount, especially in podcasting. Podcasting is like divide by 10, all the numbers, because to convince someone to listen to an hour is different to a four minute video. So again, those numbers kind of can make you a little crazy uh, if you are hyper focus on them. And this is something I read somewhere. I think it was like Amazon or, or someone talked about this, uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon. Um, it was about like focusing on the inputs, not the outputs, yeah. which is all about like, what can I actually control? I can control creating a great piece of content every week. I can have a great conversation with someone and put it out make sure I stick to my deadlines um, that I've set myself. And also the quality, like it's something that I've tried my best to stick to as well. What I can't control is how many people are actually gonna listen, how many people who are listening are gonna s spread it, how many people are going to write a review, all the different growth factors that my mind typically goes to. So over time, like the last year has been where I've been the most consistent with doing it because uh, I took like quite a long break at one point because you know I, took, I started a new job and it was too crazy for me. Um, but yeah, that's probably the best thing. And that's not just for podcasts, it's for everything I do now. It's like, what can I control? What can't I control? Still monitor what I can't control, of course. I'm not just saying it doesn't matter, but what are the things closest to me right now that are actually going to help? And also really just like enjoying the process because if I don't enjoy doing the interviews and putting it out and the, the little messages I get from people saying, hey, this changed my career or like I, I started a company because of this, that's kind of why I'm doing it, right? Because, you know, to be frank, it doesn't make crazy amount of money that, I'm, that that's the reason to do it. It just makes enough to keep itself sustainable and f for it to be a part of my life. Uh, maybe one day that will change, but at the moment, that's kind of uh, where I'm at with it. I want to talk about that balancing act of monitoring data and numbers while also doing the creative work for the sake of doing the creative work. That's hard, man. And I think no matter yeah. how much experience you get, there's always an ebb and flow where some mornings I wake up and I think, 
I'm deleting Google Analytics from all of my websites. Because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm an SEO, you know? And so like metrics are my life, like really. And it can be so frustrating sometimes where, maybe frustrating is not the right word. It can be misleading sometimes because there has to be a bit of a separation behind the user and the emotion, I suppose, that you're invoking on the person absorbing your content and also the, the algorithm, right? The shares, the metrics, the, the data points. I've developed my own kind of internal coping mechanism to constantly bounce between the ebb and flow of data and people. What, what has been your balancing act for that? Yeah, it's something I haven't actually talked too much about because I think a lot of people who are straight up business people, are, they're creative in one way, but they're maybe not creative in like a pure creative way. So like one of our mutual friends, Jack Butcher, like he's, I do a podcast with him as well nowadays and I've got to know him quite well. He's a pure creative guy. Like he needs to design stuff because that's part of his being, you know? And most people don't know that about me, but I'm the same. So whether that is, like as I just look at the things I did as a kid, I used to make music in my bedroom. I used to like, mm. you know, not not really well, but just for fun. I would uh, edit videos. I would create PowerPoint slides when I was like eight years old, you know, like and to me, it was all those kind of pure creative things. Those are creative, but not we don't think of those as creative most of the time. And now what it is, is like writing is writing is a part of it. And then the, the podcast as well. Um, and the way I find balance is honestly just like making time for it. And just in that time, I have dedicated time. I, I cut, make sure I don't have uh, distractions. I'm not in meetings all day. Um, and now I'm able to do that because I've designed my week to be like that. In a job, it's harder to do that. But when I was in a job, I did the same thing every evening. Like I used to do like spoken word, which is random and I don't even do it anymore. But I used to go and perform in New York five days a week at one point. Uh, at open mics and I'd go to work looking all you know professional and then I'd go to the gym and then straight after I'd be out till midnight sometimes later with random people who were in complete different worlds and for me that again it came back to the energy it was meeting those people not talking about work not talking about metrics and completely taking my mind space out of that world and sometimes that's what you need to do. So I think it's become harder over the last year for everyone who's been working from home and they mm -hmm. haven't designed their space to be a place where they get a real uh, break. So the room, if you're watching this, I'm in a dedicated room for this and I don't come in here unless I'm working. And when I'm not working, I go, I'm in other parts of the house or I go outside and do stuff outside. So um, I, I think that's the thing is like having some sort of separation, not just in terms of work-life balance, but for me, it's like the creative part. Like creative is not work or life. It's like in between uh, a lot of the time. And I, I almost see it as a third bucket. Like I need dedicated space just to, to, to work on that and dedicated time. So if I can time box it, then I actually stay consistent with it. Otherwise, if I don't prioritize it, it just kind of things take over and you don't end up doing any of it like, like you plan to do. A third bucket. I think that's a really good way to visualize it because creativity is this, you can quantify results, right? Like what's the point, at least from a business standpoint and, and Copyblogger is a writing community. And so I'm glad that you mentioned writing, but it, 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 it's a topic that comes up often in our membership platform and Copyblogger Pro where I remind people 
yeah, you're creative writers, but don't get it twisted. Like you're spending time and you're working on something. Get money, like get money. You know, you have to figure out how to convert that creative energy into sales yeah, or else it's just point. a hobby. It's not a business. And if it's a hobby, that's fine. But yeah, we're here but you should know what it is. And, and that's a good point because I'd say with the podcast, it started as a hobby or something on the side. But I was always pretty serious. I, I took it pretty seriously. Like I taught myself how to edit. I learned all about sound. Um, and, me, you know, in hindsight, that took a crazy amount of time where I could have outsourced it. But now I think I understand the craft of podcasting as well as most people I meet. And, and that to me is valuable. Um, but if you are optimizing only for business and only for getting most number of downloads, I would do things very differently. I would yeah. do shorter episodes. Yeah. I would, you know, I would do, do things in a certain way. So yeah, I agree, man. I think people need to kind of at least go in with a plan. And, and one thing I, again, that interview I did with Tim Urban was really uh, something he said to me really stuck with me, which was he was doing something on the side and wait, but why or whatever he was writing wasn't really taking off because it was on the side. And what he found out was he needed to, treat it like a business he needed to tr take it seriously and he, what that meant for him was he quit what he was doing and then he really focused on on this blog and it blew up um but he basically said well what what would i do if i had 50 hours a week to work on this versus five and just that like mental exercise makes a huge difference because maybe you don't have 50 hours right now but maybe you can work towards getting to that point and and more importantly, you're you're telling yourself, I'm going to take this seriously, and I'm going to make sure I I, I do the things that I need to do to make this a business one day, or at least earn something so that it it pays for itself. Um, but again, like you said, if that's not the case and it's your hobby, that's great too. Like that's a really important part of your life potentially. Sometimes when you turn it into a business, it becomes less fun. So yeah. it's just a fine balance between knowing upfront why you're doing it and sticking to that. And if that evolves over time, then great. But I think I do this every like three to six months. I go back and I say, am I still happy with what I'm doing? Am I spending too much time on some things that I shouldn't be? Uh, like I've done this right now. I had an editor uh, that's worked with me for several years. She just took a full-time job and I was editing my own stuff again, which as you know, it takes forever. And uh, especially the way I do it. And But it was a chance for me to get back in the craft and kind of redefine like, okay, what do I want to do? Do I want to change the format? Do I want to cut things down? Do I want to switch things up on the visuals? And now I'm getting the editing team back up, but it's got like, a, there's a new energy to the podcast again. So I think you need that every once in a while to just keep reinventing yourself and whatever you're creating. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I want to talk a little bit more about the business of the podcast. If we're going to mention that, um, then I want to make sure we provide some value there. But a real quick antidote. One thing that's always really helped me, I was obsessed with Bruce Lee as a kid. And I'm sure a lot of people have seen the video interview he did where he said, be like water, right? Where if you're on too much one side, you're a mechanical man. But if you're on the other side, you're overly flexible. And that, that has always been a good uh, mental recalibration point for me where I, I feel like, no, I'm being way too mechanical on this side. Like I'm caring too much about the metrics. I'm caring too much about this or on this other side, I'm being. Yeah. I like way, that distinction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like way too loosey goosey and not actually caring about what my objective is. So, uh, so that's helped me. Okay. Uh, we 
just talked a little bit about having an objective. And over time, your podcast has turned into an actual business. I like your model because we advocate, I got nothing wrong with ads, but at Copyblogger, we always advocate creating content for the sake of selling your own product, selling your own service, selling something where there's like maximum upside for you. Uh, Open-ended question here. Tell me how your content, your podcast has best suited you in the business goals that you've had. Yeah. So first of all, I agree with what you said. I don't think ads are the best way to make money long-term though. I'm not against them. I have sponsorships on my podcast and uh, but over time, I actually launched with sponsors, which is quite unique. A lot, most people yeah. don't do that. I yeah. can share a little bit on that if you want in a second. But over the t- over the, the years, I've I've had sponsors. Again, this is not multi-million dollar deals to put it in perspective, right? But it's it's a it's a good amount that it makes a profit, uh, and it can pay for editing and all that sort of stuff. Um, but what I thought about was you know to put some numbers behind it i think your audience probably know a lot of this sort of stuff already if they you know write and they're bloggers or they do seo stuff you know the metrics like cpm right so the cost per thousand impressions is normally how you sell ads on a podcast on average just to give you a benchmark it's between 18 and 25 dollars is the industry average some of them are 15 uh, 50 to 100 dollars sometimes you can charge if you've got premium content i just even at that high level is uh, for online advertising that's pretty high right but mm-hmm. uh to me i'm like am i gonna sell a thousand people listening to this for 25 dollars? like that yeah. to me seems silly because i could sell something that to one person for more than that and it's worth a lot more um so the way i started to think about it was on what i also have is a, a agency consulting business so i have a digital marketing agency so they kind of sit side by side i don't even proactively promote the agency because I'm not like in like you know take over the world mode with it I'm just like I want it on the side that it basically pays for everything it makes a good profit every year um, but I'm actually using those profits to essentially have a flexible life which is kind of what I'm optimizing for for someone else they want to get to 10 20 million dollars a year in revenue and, and that's great for me I'm not optimizing for that at the moment so what I do is I I use the podcast primarily to meet great people. Like I said before, that means you, you one, you build a reputation for yourself. Yeah. If someone listens to my podcast for two hours, which often is the case, they get to hear how I think. They know uh, all my flaws and they also know probably what I'm good at, you know, because they've heard me talk about business for, for you know, hundreds of hours by this point. And, um, and so that's, that's the first part. It's like putting yourself out there and accepting, I'm gonna make mistakes. I'm going to say a stupid word and whatever, like you, you just get more confident with it and you kind of just start to accept that, that feeling. And, um, and then it means then I can go and, you know, if I have a consulting project, like I've had consulting projects directly from guests on the show mm-hmm. uh, in a few cases, but also people who have, you know, come and worked for me because, um, you know, I, I built a reputation for myself. And of course, co- combined with real experience before, it wasn't like, hey, I just started podcasting and now I'm qualified to do what I do with the agency. But it was a way for me to demonstrate my competency and, and get my name out there. So, and that, I'd say that's still an ongoing process. Um, so again, to put the numbers in perspective, 
why should I sell a thousand people's eyeballs or ears for $25 when I can sell one client 10, 15, 20 grand in consultancy per month, right? That's kind of like the range I work in. So that, and I'm not trying to like show off with numbers. I'm just trying to give a, a contrast between $25 and 10,000, let's say. Um, so that's kind of how I see it. Um, I also think ultimately long-term for a lot of people, not just me, um, you know, I think having a direct connection with your listeners is really important. So that's something I haven't done yet, but I would consider in the future. So whether that is a Patreon model, uh, you know, or some sort of subscription. I think you guys have, have something similar uh, where people are paying for something uh, every month. So yeah, I think that's a really great way for people to monetize as well. And then you're less reliant on advertising. You're not tiptoeing around saying the wrong thing. Um, but the last thing I'll say on, on sponsorships is I've, I've, I've had some great sponsors even recently. I actually stopped doing sponsors uh, last August uh, when I kind of relaunched the show with I went to once a week and I put so much energy into it, got really big guests. And I said, I'm just not going to do ads for a while and just focus on creating good stuff. And what what eventually happened was I got inbound from sponsors and they and I could at least kind of create things on my own terms and say, look, I'm not really like looking for sponsorships, but if you do want to do it, I'm not going to like turn down free money essentially. Uh, but this is how I just show you how I do it and I can just tell you I, I do it on a flat fee I don't do any reporting I don't tell you like this many people downloaded or or listened all the way through um, I just say like this is like a content partnership and there's like a brand alignment like if I'm getting all these great guests it's like an event basically like if you've ever gone to Web Summit yeah there's they're, they're charging by how many people come to the show or come to the event but they're also talking they're also aligning with Jeff Bezos on stage, you know, and, and stuff like that. So I went to more of that model because it just is simpler for me. And I tell people up front and I make sure I manage their expectations. And I'm still supportive. Like I, I introduce them to people and I like big them up outside of the podcast and tell people, oh, they're my sponsors and they're, they're great to work with and stuff like that. So I try to add value. But ultimately, I kind of had to say to them, I'm not like it's not worth my time, to be honest, like to do all this reporting stuff. Um, I'd rather spend that time and energy on like getting more consulting clients. So if we are going to do it, like it has to be kind of on these terms. And if you're okay with that, then yeah, I'd love to do it together. I also make sure I have creative freedom. So yeah. I ask them for like bullet points of stuff that I can share and then I do it in my voice. Um, and no one's had a problem with that because, you know, generally it sounds fine. <laughs> but like, I think some people are worried like, oh, am I going to bring a sponsor on? And then they're going to, take over the content and they're going to be annoyed that I mentioned this thing. I, I don't care about that. Like the, the reason I do this is because I want to create stuff authentically to, to me. Um, so that's also kind of in the terms and conditions, essentially. There's so many nuggets in that last five minutes of conversation. And I, I kind of, a perfect example when you talked about building a reputation and the things that you say, we're like, Oh, I said something stupid. I cannot stop saying kinda when I do podcasts and every single time I, I re-listen to them. And I, I actually don't re-listen to them that much anymore because I keep catching this mistake that I do, but the exercise in continuously putting yourself out there in spite of like your imperfections 
has some kind of unwarranted business skill, which I don't necessarily know how to- And qualify. life skill, man. And it's like an acceptance of yourself. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I now, when I meet people and I, I'm just, I feel like I've been fairly comfortable being myself, but I feel like I'm 10 times more now because you, you know, you're putting yourself out there every day, essentially. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the biggest thing is, uh, this sounds very self-development-y, but I went to this thing once where they talked about a visualization of you walking down the street and looking around and you're thinking, oh my God, everyone's looking at me and they're looking at my gut right now or the spot on my face. Or and eventually it yeah. gets to the point where you start like smiling because you realize everyone is thinking exactly the same thing. <laughs> and it's, so, it's such a powerful moment. I was literally in a room where I saw someone crying. I saw someone laughing because we all kind of got it at the same time. And we were like, oh, that, and that's how everyone's thinking. So now, if you walk around like that all day, of course, don't be arrogant and, and overly confident, but you start to realize like everyone's worried about themselves. Just, yeah. you just be yourself. And also I think it comes with maturity, understanding that you're not perfect. Uh, and when you are younger, especially for me, um, when you're younger, you're trying to prove yourself and you're trying to say, well, look at me. And a lot of the time it's because when you're 12 years old or seven years old, something happened to you, you don't even remember anymore. And you've got this kind of cut in your brain now. And every time you're put in that situation, you react in a certain way. So a lot of that comes from self-work, maybe therapy for some people, or at least <laughs> understanding what's happened. And then you can realize, okay, I'm not trying to prove myself. Like to, to a certain extent, of course, we sure. all are in some ways. I still care sure. about what people think of me, 100%. But I'm also not the 18-year-old Bilal who was self-conscious about certain things and needed to prove to the world, look at me. You know what I mean? Whereas now, yeah, maybe that comes from having some success in, in air quotes, right? But it comes from doing stuff consistently where you see competence in yourself and you prove to yourself, oh, I'm actually pretty good at that, you know? And when you find that thing that you're good at, for me anyway, maybe this isn't everyone, you'd keep doing it, you get that confidence and you, you accept when other people are gonna criticize you, it's normally because that they what they should really be criticizing themselves you know so um yeah i don't know if that uh, answers your point but i definitely feel like it makes me a more um accepting person of myself you know what i mean it did totally answer my point and i'll tell you why because you mentioned it like podcasts are actually terrible businesses like if you want to get rich on a podcast you need like 10 million downloads a month right and so the value from them has to be uh, not as direct, right? There's more like abstract values from doing a podcast. And so here's where it gets funny, at least for me. The longer that I've done the podcast, the more I've openly talked about some of my successes, some, some of my failures. Um, maybe I, I've had episodes where I talk about really big clients that I was nervous about, what have you. And the act of, like you said, putting yourself out there, just getting a little bit more comfortable with being vulnerable. It's, it's that weird life lesson, right? Where the less that you try to prove to other people that you're good, the more people start coming to you saying like, hey, I really like what you had to say. You seem like you're confident. You seem like you have an understanding of this industry. What do you think about working together? And I don't know this for sure, but I'm willing to make a bet that if I were to say, you've probably begotten you've probably have gotten more clients in your consulting firm over the last year in like direct correlation with 
your vulnerability, right? I mean, I'm 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 swinging for the fences on that one. Yeah, but I no, like I mean, that's a good. I'm, I don't know if I've even thought about that, but I, I'd say beyond just a consultancy, but just looking at a wider aperture of career. Yeah. Um, being able to basically be honest, sure. and and I think a lot of people, especially at the highest level. I'm not saying I've worked at the highest level in every way, but like, you know, Google hired from you know, a pretty good group of people. Most of the people there were like top of their class. They've got great experience. And then when I went to Charity Water, in that world anyway, they were kind of the leaders in their space. Um, they hired people from like, you know, lots of big brands and re really great people. And just being able to test yourself against those people essentially, not in like a competitive way, but just a oh i've like read books about this since i was 12 years old like what's it like to manage someone you know like when someone's crying in your in front of you because they've got a personal problem in their life how did i actually react you know what i mean as their manager or whatever and and those are the sorts of things you can't really test that unless you're doing it day to day um and i think the back to your point about like vulnerability essentially it comes from being able to be completely honest and and that's a tough thing to do because we all aren't 100 percent honest obviously right no one's completely perfect in that way and it's the hardest one is being honest with yourself in your own head like you convince yourself oh i why haven't i been promoted oh my god because the manager's stupid blah 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 like the story you tell in your head and eventually when you're really honest with yourself yeah maybe there's stuff that was out of your control that messed up which often does happen but you can at least take some ownership of something that you could have done. And uh, I'm not like Jocko winning, like, oh, like take complete control <laughs> ownership of yourself. But no, I think what he talks about is actually quite uh, quite useful. Uh, maybe he's like quite extreme about it, but being able to say, all right, what did I do wrong? What could I improve? And if you can honestly say to yourself, oh, I did everything I could, well then, then you're happy. You know, even if the result wasn't right, you put in the effort. And uh, yeah, so uh, that's kind of how I think about it, man. I love that. Uh, all right, we got about 10 minutes left. Let's uh, finish up on uh, the technical end of the yeah. bit that we've been talking about. So your podcast is more or less turning into a distribution channel for your services. I, I want to make a point on this because one of the things we hear a lot in copy blogger with people that are interested in creating a media brand for themselves is I'm never going to be able to get tens of thousands of hits, you know, like, well, you're a copy blogger. You guys have a, a million hits. However, like that's not me. I'm never going to get there. But what I love about what you said and something that I just feel so, so passionately about is when you move away from the ad model, which by the way is fine. Um, but you more, go towards something that's self-serving, you can get a hundred listens. And if you get one client out of those 100 listings, listens, you're killing it. And I think in this new, not necessarily new, but in the age where everybody is almost forced to be a media company more so than ever, that is the best approach to take because you're the reach of the distribution that your podcast or your blog or your email list has isn't as important as the trust that you are establishing with your audience. Because if you establish trust, then you establish proof. And if you establish proof, then you basically establish, like you said, a reputation. And then that reputation yeah. is what converts to a sale. So um, 
So I, I think that's probably a statement even more than a question, but I, I wanted to piggyback off that point that you made, because I think that's so important for people that are like just getting started that they don't need a huge reach. They yeah, just completely. need to have an impact. Can I just add one thing to what you just said there as well? Please? Is yeah, the way I just think of it is forget all the metrics and the channels and the distribution and organic reach and all the stuff we all care about, right? And we've learned the tactics, but like just take a step back and think about what did our grandparents, grandparents do? when they wanted to get a job or start a business, right? It was networking and word of mouth. Most of the time, you obviously have to develop some skills, but I'm talking about getting yourself out there. Like that's really my background is marketing and sales, right? Mm. So it's, I just think of word of mouth and I think of scaling word of mouth. And and the, the cool thing is, especially for your audience, word of mouth now can include Google search. Right, because if you think really what Google search is, Google search is just a database for what was spread and voted on by the, the whole network of the internet, right? The only, the, the way Google knows that your site is valuable is because you've got so many backlinks of votes, which back in the day, a few generations ago, were people telling their friends, oh, I read this blog post and or this this memo and you should check it out mm. now people can do that through backlinks or other signals on social media and stuff like that so i've never actually thought of it like this i've just making this up on the spot but i just i think of it all as word of mouth which is how do i scale word of mouth how do i get myself in front of more people that are relevant if that's your objective i will just clarify one thing i genuinely am doing the podcast for its own sake like i i do get some benefit on the business side but like i do it mainly just because i love doing it um but i i do think that there's one story i'll share is when i was in charity water my job there was to uh, create brand partnerships with brands to raise money for the world war crisis that was kind of my my team's job and i, I remember meeting this guy um and he's like kind of a hot shot in manhattan he owns a bunch of restaurants and i had this crazy idea for this restaurant project and long story short, I met him and he was like a little bit cold, right? And he was just strictly business. And I was like, okay, I left the meeting. Like, okay, I don't think anything's gonna happen. And, um, and then at the end of the meeting, my colleague mentioned that I had a podcast and he was like, oh, I'm like a huge podcast listener. Cool, I'll, I'll check it out. And his whole tone changed. And after two, three weeks, we went to meet him again. And when I met him, he was like, oh man, I've listened to like every single episode of your podcast. They're so good. I love them so much. And he, we, we're like now friends, right? And it's, uh, we're still in touch, even though we don't work together. And that was scaling word of mouth in his head. You know, like while I wasn't there, there was someone speaking in his ear, whether that was me <laughs> or, you know, the recording of me anyway. And there was, there, there was a way to scale yourself beyond just you know, physical people. And that's kind of the craziest thing when you think about it, we're so used to hearing it now of like a tweet can reach a million people or a YouTube video can go viral. But just think how crazy that is, man, that we have the ability to create one thing, like what we're recording right now, how many people are gonna to listen to this? Even if it's 12 people or if it's 12 million people, it's just an incredible thing that it can multiply to that many people. So that's how I think of every piece of content now. If the objective is to get it out to more people, how do I scale? word of mouth and this is my way of doing it that is such a cool story i love what you said about um how would your grandparents grandparents get out there as as an seo we i talk to a lot of clients they ask about backlinks a lot and i say how do you get backlinks and what i actually say is we don't focus on getting backlinks we focus on getting people to talk about us mm. and the analogy i use is is 
almost exactly the one that you did. I think mine's just a slightly a slight variation where I say, if you are throwing a garage sale and you want people to come to your garage sale, like, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to knock on the, the local stores in your neighborhood. You're going to hang some shit on uh, some flyers up on the, the telephone post. Like you're just going to put yourself out there and that's really all the internet is, except it's that times like a gazillion. A billion, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and here's a cool place to end on um, because that story I thought was so cool and I had a really, really similar experience which pertains to people who feel like the stuff that they're publishing isn't getting read or isn't getting listened to. I uh, have been slowly working on this idea called agency clarity, which is basically putting resources together for young start entrepreneurs that know they want to start their own business, but don't necessarily know where to start. And my advice to them is always start a service business, right? Like master a skill, start working with clients. And so I've been putting some stuff together and I put a free course out there. And I think it's gotten maybe 150 downloads. Maybe I haven't checked my email in a while. And, uh, I was really proud of this course. It's the first time I've ever created like a product from front to back without having like a team around it. And just yesterday morning, I got a DM in my tweets saying, Hey, I just finished your course. I've been thinking about this so much and exactly what you said to the lesson one in my course is to be specific like just find like a real particular niche. And so the only reason I, I say that is because this person DM'd me saying, I've had this idea about this one particular niche that I wanted to work in with an agency, but I just thought it was a crazy idea. And after listening to you, like you really inspired me to take that action. And so the lesson is that you might not think people are listening and you might not think people are reading, but they are. I promise you they are. And like your content and your voice and your message has a lot more impact than you might realize. Yeah, that's a great point, man. I think uh, even for someone like me who I would see my podcast stats and honestly, for, this is kind of a funny, embarrassing thing to say, but for years I was like, this must be wrong. You know, like who yeah. are these random people in like these different countries listening to my podcast? And, and, and I was like, it must be bots or something. And it was only when I started saying on the podcast, if you like this, send me a message on Twitter, uh, mm. really focused instead of like Instagram, email. I, I was asking people to do too many things. I said, if you like it, DM me on Twitter or write, write something on Twitter at BZD. And then every day I started getting messages from people. And you know, I don't have like a huge following on Twitter or anything, but I get messages from people all the time. And now, I, honestly, I save a lot of those messages in like a folder because when it gets really crazy and you really need to remind yourself of like why you're doing it. I like go back in there and I'm like, oh, Rahul from 2019 sent me this message. And like, I want to reach another Rahul. It's going to kind of um, get me going to, to keep going, man. So yeah, I, lo I love that, man. Just definitely stick to what you're doing. Yeah, well, damn. If you're listening to this, DM me on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> At Tim Stodds would appreciate it. So, uh, all right, man. Thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed every second of this conversation. So what do we got? We got creatorlab.fm. Yeah, that's the website. And if people, you know, if you're list, you're probably listening to this on a podcast app. If you're interested, uh, yeah, just subscribe to Creator Lab on any podcast app, Spotify, Apple, also all the videos on YouTube if you prefer video. 
Uh, we I also include timestamps, so if you need to switch between video and audio, those are really helpful. You get a preview, and just because it's your audience, I'll just say if you're someone who writes, there's probably a few episodes you could start with. Because I I hate when people are like just check out my podcast because sure. it's too many to start with. Um, there's one with Polina Marinova who um, was a oh, writer. Yeah. Oh, she's got uh, the profile. She's incredible. Uh, she was a writer at Fortune, I think, and then went full time herself. Um, she's like got one of the biggest Substack email newsletters, and we talk all about the craft of writing and all these like very actionable things that are really useful. Uh, the one with Tim Urban, Wait But Why, as well. He built his blog pretty much on on uh, SEO and organic, but really about great content and the craft of that. Um, and yeah, there's a bunch of others as well. I think a lot of people might like the one with Sam Parr and Jack Butcher uh, and Pomp. Those three were like a, a cluster I did around audience building. So they're all about the different ways to build an audience, very specific stuff. And uh, if you are on Twitter as well, just look me up at BZD. Maybe you can share it in the show notes or something and look at my pinned tweet. That one was all about a summary of like 10, 12 hours of podcasts all about um how to build an audience and uh beyond just like writing stuff every day like you know actual tangible stuff that will help you um so yeah hopefully that's uh let me know what you think of this i'd love to hear from you as well at bees 80. yeah and let's not forget your newest brilliant oh, yeah. project <laughs> not <laughs> Thanks, investment man. advice it's important it's important <laughs> you know that yeah that's actually the name so i've started a new podcast with uh jack butcher who He's got a social following on at Visualize Value. He's he's great. We've kind of become um, internet friends uh, through through my podcast. Another guy called Trunk Fan, who's a lead writer, the Hustle Newsletter. He's hilarious on Twitter. He's like a meme god. <laughs> so we talk every week about the craziest stuff we're finding out on the edges of the internet, the business world, internet. Um, so yeah, you might also like that podcast. So check that out too. Nice, man. Well, Bilal, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Um, Thanks, man. I'll be in New York probably in a month and a half or so. Oh, awesome. When I'm up there. Yeah, let me Let's know. Just DM me, man. We'll, we'll definitely link up. All right, brother. Appreciate your time. All right, brother. Have a good one. Cheers.